Here we are. Oh, whoa, what's going on here? This is way too close. What happened here? Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, that's okay. What's... That's better than I've been on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> no, look at my head. What's going on here? This is this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, it's okay though. I don't mind that. I don't know about that. Looking looking a little a little large here in terms of the frame. I'm not sure what happened there. Well, you oh, are. I, you know what? I know what happened. There oh. we go. Boom. There we go. Can you not go halfway? Can you not go halfway? I'm not. I don't. I don't think there's another halfway. I think that's it. It's either really close or uh, a bit further away. So, um, apologize for the uh, early technical difficulties here as we <laughs> as we start to the show. Look at this. Look at this. Mucha grande cabeza from Endo. Yeah, it was a pretty large face there, um, undoubtedly. Welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the show. Uh, Franco Penizo here, joined by Simon Evans. Ajisita, a.k.a. Andrea Yanes, and Island Jose, a.k.a. Jose Armando, busy with other duties at the start of this week. So it's just Simon and myself here. But Simon will have plenty of time then to not only share his analysis from this past weekend's game, but also to gloat a little bit um, with regards to Benjamin Kremaski, because uh, Simon has been singing his praises while the rest of us have been uh, a bit more uh, lukewarm in our praise. But listen, Inter-Miami won. Well, they tied, but they won the penalty kick shootout and they advanced to the quarterfinals of the Leagues Cup. They will host Charlotte FC on Friday night, which we will preview that game as well. But a lot of the talking point here on this show will very likely be this past Sunday's game, which another spectacular finish from Inter-Miami in terms of the regulation from Leo Messi. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into all of it, but first, let's see how Simon's doing. Simon, how are you, my friend? It's been a couple of days. Have you had time to decompress? Yeah, I have. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a game you do need to decompress from because it was, uh, Helter Skelter, that second half especially was uh, crazy. But you know, we haven't had a dull moment, have we? I mean, since since the arrival, um, the unveiling, every minute, every minute of soccer that's been on the field involving into Miami has been interesting, hasn't it? It's uh, not all been top quality, but most of it's been exciting and interesting. It has been interesting, and like this game was, you know, was played in Central Time Zone, so. Um... It was later, later than usual. And that final kick in the 85th, well, not the final kick, that final goal and regulation in the 85th minute came close to midnight. Um, and I was watching it here with the family, which is a, a tradition of mine in terms of the road games. And, I mean, my family are diehard Inter Miami fans, and they were jumping for joy. They made so much noise that my uh, neighbor may or may not have, uh, I won't say knock on the door, but he might have, I'm on the second floor, so he may have a, uh, with the broomstick yeah <laughs> i mean my stepdad was jumping for joy i mean listen i i try to watch games from a very neutral um point of view um you know as part of being a, an unbiased journalist but even that goal maybe even more so than the first one i don't know it just it, it definitely like made my mouth drop because i was just like wow he did it Again, man. Again, the first one, it was jaw-dropping for sure, um, you know, and it was impressive, no doubt about it. 
But then to see him do it again, albeit from a different angle in a different game, I mean, it's it's just – you start to take it for granted a little bit. I mean, how special uh, Leo Messi is. I mean, Tata Martino talked about it after the game. We'll dive into that a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Simon, what was your reaction when you saw the goal? Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was one of those moments. Again, though, like the first one, felt a little bit inevitable as well. I mean, I didn't think this, he was going to do it again. You thought he was going to do it again? I was like, listen, free kicks are, are not easy to score on. I mean, and, and he had the dream storybook finish against Cruz Azul. I just didn't think, I was like, look, of course, he has a chance, no doubt about it, but I just didn't think it was going to happen again. And it happened. And he again. had the one just before, not lo- not long before, anyway. It hit the wall as well. So you know, just to prove that he was human. But I think that, that was, was after. Just... That was after. That was when they when they could have won it. Was it right? Yeah. yeah. It was from further out, and he hits the wall. Um, That's right. It was further out, quite a bit further out, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, no, no, no. I mean, the technique is just incredible to put it in the one place that the goalkeeper can't reach. I mean, really, you know, half half a yard. Um, you know, different angles, or, or it, it's just unbelievable the technique he has. I mean, I think uh, Nico Estevez said afterwards, like he 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 converts uh, free kicks like other people convert penalties, and but uh, and it was funny he said that because I was thinking when it came to penalty shootout, I was like, it feels like there's almost more chance of Messi missing this one than there is like not converting a penalty from out, a free kick from outside the box. Pretty amazing stuff from him. Pretty amazing. Well, we'll talk about his overall performance there because, I mean, he played an integral part in Inter Miami advancing to the quarterfinals following a 4-4 to draw on the road against FC Dallas. Let's just quickly jump into it. Let's jump into it because it's late-ish or late on a Tuesday night. I mean, some people are probably out for Taco Tuesday. We are not um, because we're here doing – this for whoever wants to tune in and join us or whoever wants to view it later on. I will ask whether you're watching now live or later on after it's been recorded, if you could please like comment, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It helps us out tremendously and it's entirely free for you guys. So no subscription, nothing to be paid for. Just subscribe, follow along. We really, really appreciate it. So Inter Miami went on the road to Frisco, Texas at Toyota Stadium to take on FC Dallas in the round of 16. And the game finished in a 4-2-4 draw. Inter Miami took an early lead with another Lionel Messi goal in the opening minutes off of an assist from Jordi Alba, who made his first Inter Miami start. But FC Dallas pulled a couple of goals back late in the first half to go into the break with a 2-1 lead. Strikes from Facundo Quinone and Bernard Camungo. Now, in the second half, which was very, very eventful, five goals were scored in that second half, Adam Velasco makes it 3-1 to one in the 63rd minute. And Hermione pulls one back literally two minutes later through super sub Benjamin Kremaski, a Robert Taylor own goal, undoes that good and gives FC Dallas a two-goal lead yet again. It was 4-2 to two at that point. But in the final 10 minutes, Inter Miami rallies Stirring comeback. Again, Messi very, very involved. He hits a free kick that Marco Farfan, FC Dallas left back. I don't know what he was doing, but he, he scores an home goal himself, one that is for the blooper reel and uh, might be the biggest low light of the FC Dallas season. 
And then Lionel Messi scores that aforementioned free kick that was sensational uh, in the 85th. That leads to penalty kicks. Inter-Miami was perfect from the spot. Uh, Messi went first. He converted. Benjamin Kremaski went fifth, and he made it. The only miss in the penalty kick shootout came from Paxton Pomacall of FC Dallas, who skied his shot well over the crossbar. Roberto Baggio, if you uh, if you want to use the Italian reference, Simon, since you uh, spent some time over there. Um, or you could say the Christian Cueva if you're Peruvian or South American and you remember uh, that poor, poor penalty kick against Denmark in the 2018 World Cup, which helped doom Peru to an early World Cup uh, elimination in that tournament. But what was your biggest analysis point from this one, Simon? I mean, what did you take away from from this game? There's a lot to talk about, but what is the the biggest takeaway you have? Andy Diosa, Miami Toro Radio in 4K. What's up, Andy? How you doing, brother? I saw your uh, your tweet earlier today um, with regards to the game tonight. So uh, looking forward to seeing if Chicho scores. Uh, but but Simon, overall, uh, what your thoughts were on uh, on the game? Yeah, I mean, big picture, I think, uh, yeah, it's the contrast between the the front and the back of the team, isn't it, really? I think that's the biggest takeaway from it. Um, Very sharp in attack, always asking different questions. You know, Taylor didn't get on on target for for Miami in this game, um, but still really involved down that left. Him and Alba looked an interesting combination there. and, you know, uh, Martinez still not quite firing, but a nuisance, a pest. Um, and, and, and Messi just, just, you know, pulling the strings from deep quite a lot, isn't he? He, seems to be, he does seem to be drifting deeper and deeper in search of the ball, um, which I think probably has reached its limit in parts of that game. But the, the negative side of it was, you know, the defending, you know, conceding four goals, and it could have been more. I mean, uh, Jesus Ferreira had a couple of headers that really he should have buried. He had that one-on-one um, that, he, I mean, if he pulls the trigger sooner, he probably scores, but he allowed Kamal Merida to... You know, I mean, that game could have easily been like 7-5 for Dallas or something crazy like that. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the thing with the fullbacks both pushing up, it leaves a lot of work to do on the counter when they, when they hit. And, uh, you know, Sergei and Kamal Miller and uh, Sergei Kristoff at the back, Neither of them are blessed with a great amount of electric pace, let's put it that way. So that's that's something that got exposed a couple of times, and that's a bit of a concern. But maybe, you know, maybe this is what we're in for. You know, those of us who are going to be watching into Miami over the coming months is maybe just roll with it. You know, maybe that's Tata's idea is okay. You know, we've got we've got this uh We've got this attack. We've got Jordi Alba at left back. We're not holding him back and keeping him alongside the centre-halves. They're going to attack. Yes, we're going to concede some goals, but we'll probably score more. I'm, I, I got the feeling that was basically uh, you know, how it went there. But defend, defensive-wise, there's some concerns there. So I don't agree with that. I don't agree that that was the idea or the game plan. Um, I think the idea was to maybe not boss possession as much as they have at home. But I don't think it was to have a, a shootout uh, figuratively speaking from the playing in the penalties. Um, I think they wanted to stay compact. They wanted to stay organized. They wanted to stay tight and not give FC Dallas uh, much in the attack. Um, you know, even Tata Martino before the game in the pregame press conference, match day minus two. And in the postgame press conference talked about how, 
FC Dallas from the middle to the front. That's where they were really, really dangerous. He didn't really sing a whole lot of praise towards their back line. Understandably so if you've watched FC Dallas this season or if you even look at their just their overall stats for the year. But Inter Miami did a very poor job of defending in this one. And I'll say this. In the first half, it didn't start that well for Inter Miami defensively, right? There was that that one near header in the opening minute or so um, that glanced uh, – past the far post right. uh, and, and could have you know been a goal had somebody gotten uh, a touch on it. Then there was the Ferreira goal that was called back for, for offside. So Inter Miami didn't start well in this one defensively, but I thought in the first half they did okay up until the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of the first half, which is when FC Dallas gets both of their goals. One comes from a well-taken shot. Marking could have been better both on the cross and on the – and on Quignon, who took the shot, but it was still a nice goal. Uh, the second one, that one, that one left a lot more to be desired. And Hermione got hit on a counter. Uh, Fede that goes at, at Christoph, sorry, Christoph, uh, who looked very, very slow in this one. I mean, we all know he's, you know, if you've watched him at any point this season, he's not blessed with a whole lot of pace, but he really struggled in transition in this one, trying to keep up with, uh, with the speed of FC Dallas attackers. Um, the ball's played to Kamungo and Kamal Miller. I mean, he had a nightmare there, man. I mean, he gets turned way too easily. Dixon Arroyo tries to cover for him, gets a piece of the ball, but it falls favorably for Kamungo, and Kamungo just shoots it past uh, Drake Calendar. So, you know, a lot of good work was undone very quickly by very poor defending during those final 10, 15 minutes of the first half. And then from there, Inter-Miami was forced to chase the game, and that left them even more exposed. And they gave up the third one on, again, another transition. Uh, oh, no, sorry. The third one's on a free kick. Free kick from uh, Alan Velasco, who uh, DeAndre Yedlin fouled, fouled needlessly. Um, so a lot of poor defending, a lot of poor uh, decisions. I put a lot of it, Simon, I don't know if you agree with me. I put a lot of it on Tata Martino's game plan because it got Inter Miami away from what I think most of us think they're good at, right? Like, what is the strength of this Inter-Miami team with Sergio Busquets, Leo Messi, Jordi Alba? I mean, it's to have the ball and to do things with the ball, right? Like, that's what I think Inter-Miami strengths are with this group. I mean, I don't, I don't expect you to try to defend more often than not with that, with those players on the field. I get it's a different game. They're on the road. But I felt like Inter-Miami was uncomfortable in trying to defend for such large stretches. They weren't playing with the ball. They weren't playing to their strengths. It was just like it was a group that was trying to defend and they just weren't very comfortable at, at doing so. They're just better with the ball at their feet than they are having to chase it and try to defend it. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they didn't look comfortable defending at all, whatever the game plan was. I mean, I think when, you know, he, he certainly pushed up the fullbacks a lot and they both like to get forward and they both have that as a strength of their game as fullbacks, both Jordi Alba and, and Yedlin. And uh, and you can only really do that if if you then have a central midfielder who can drop back and make up a three at the back. Really, I mean that's you know when 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 you see Manchester City do it, then you know you see someone like John Stones or Rodri drop back in alongside the central defenders and make a line of three. I'm not sure that um, adding Arroyo in there with Camilla Kamal Miller and uh, Sergio Gustav. Is, is really creating a three that's going to be, uh, you know, again, not a lot of pace there either. So 
that that's a that's a real problem for them. If you're going to play that way, you and and you're going to leave it two or three at the back, you've got to have some pace there, and there, and there isn't any really. Um, yeah, there, there wasn't much in, the, in that midfield. You could see it on the on the transitions, right? Especially defensive ones, they just they got caught off. And I would disagree with you that that they pushed Yedlin up high. I mean, he did get forward at times, but I mean, with Jordi Alba pushing such so high up on the left, I felt like Yedlin's contributions on the right were were largely muted. And listen, yeah. in part, in yeah. part, he doesn't have an attacker in front of him to play to, right? Like Messi, Messi is the right winger in the four three three. But he's not there um, half the time. But he's not there, right? He floats around. He's in the middle. So, like, Yedlin literally has no one to pass to. So, I think that has to be taken into consideration in the analysis of his performance. Um, but defensively, still not the best from DeAndre Yedlin. Um, I don't think just because he doesn't have a player in front of him that that can excuse some of the, the poor decisions and the poor play that he had on the defensive side. Um, but, yes, yeah, so look, I, I agree. I agree with you that, you know, defensively it was it was very poor performance. Um, like you said, they could have gotten scored on more than that. The, the Kamal Miller um, track back to stop Fedeida from scoring that one-on-one is, I mean, it's a massive, it counts worth of goal, that that stop that he did. He never gave up on the play, a lot of commitment there. Yeah, one of true. the big bright spots for him um, in, in a game that was, you know, pretty poor here. Endo's, you know, Endo sums it up pretty nicely, complete nightmare for Miller. Um, so just, it just wasn't good enough from the team. I do think that once they got back to being more aggressive, once uh, you know, FC Dallas did tire. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But once Inter Miami got back to being more aggressive and pushing numbers forward and changing the formation, they looked much more comfortable, and that allowed them to dictate the tempo, to take more control of the game, and to let the players with the skill help make the difference. Right? Jordan Alba gets an assist to Ben Hamikramaski. Uh, Messi scores a free kick. I mean, I think that's what Inter Miami has to be, home or away. You have to have the ball or at least try to fight for the ball and let the players, you know, do their thing. Like I understand wanting to hit in transition against FC Dallas, right? Especially if you take an early lead, because if they're coming at you, that leaves more spaces in behind. And if Messi can get the ball in space with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, room to dribble at and to play passes and do his thing. I mean, in theory, that can be very, very good for your team. But I think that limits the amount of touches he can have, right? Because if you're defending, you don't have the ball. And if you don't have the ball, then Messi's not um, going to have as many touches to do his magic, to pull off his magic. So I think the, I think the attack uh, minded approach that has to be, um, you know, the biggest lesson learned from, from this one, if, if uh, Tata Martino and his staff do a thorough analysis that they can't have this team sit back and defend. They've got to be aggressive minded home or away. Um, and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. That's just my opinion, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, I think, uh, I think the balance was a little bit off. But it's the first time they played away from home as well, so you do get a different dynamic there as well. So that needs to be taken into consideration. But I just feel like in the midfield as well, um, you know, we're being very critical here, aren't we? And it was an exciting and great performance. So let's not forget that it was it was great entertainment. But I don't, I'm not, I'm still not quite sure he's found that balance in that midfield between, you know, protecting Busquets, protecting the back line, but also, you know, having, having the ability to, to feed Messi and feed Taylor and, 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 and it's never really got back to that first time where Busquets and Messi were just so electric together, just combined so well. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, teams have realized very quickly, haven't they, what, what they need to do. 
um, which is like you can you can weaken the impact of Messi on a game by by taking doing as much as you can to keep Busquets quiet. Um, and we've seen that from pretty much every team they've played since since the uh, Cruz Azul game. Well, not not Atlanta. Atlanta decided to just high press in Miami and not shadow Busquets, and they got pummeled to the tune of four to zero. But since that, the two games since, and I think Orlando. But even then, Busquets prints. wasn't as effective against Atlanta as he he had. He got, he, he got the assist on the opener, brother. Don't don't forget that. Well, I forget seventh minute. I think it was. Well, no, but you know that we we all came away from that Cruz Azul game that forty minute appearance or whatever it was that they had saying my goodness Busquets like you know, <laughs> I mean, you know he was really the standout player in that game and he hasn't quite I'm not saying he's played badly but he, but hasn't, he hasn't quite right. been as influential as as we probably thought he was going to be after that first appearance is that not fair you know I I agree but I think the last two games are where it's really been more of a challenge for him to uh, leave his imprint on proceedings Right. Orlando shadowed him a whole bunch. You know, they had like a front three, you know, protecting that entry pass into him. And then here with FC Dallas, you had Alan Velasco shadowing uh, Busquets repeatedly. Right. Now, Busquets did get the ball in some nice areas at times. He did slip in some nice forward passes. Um, you know, he's still able to penetrate through in that manner, but his impact was limited. And again, my opinion, my analysis, I thought he was asked to do a lot more defending than he has been asked in all the other games because Inter Miami didn't have the ball, right? So they couldn't play to his strengths with just passing the ball forward, using his his craftiness on the ball. Um, you know, he was stuck defending, which isn't necessarily his forte. So, um, yeah, his, his impact was was muted a little bit. Uh, as much as and, and I think away teams will take that. I think, listen, I don't think you're going to completely ever shut out Messi. I don't think you're ever going to completely shut out Busquets. But if you can mitigate how much of an impact they can make, then I think you live with that. FC Dallas was was sitting pretty, man, three to one. Um, it wasn't until Velasco uh, came out of the game because he was starting to cramp up or starting to get tired that Inter-Miami started to have a little more success, right? Because then the guy that was shadowing Busquets so, so successfully, um, he was no longer on the field. Inter-Miami, Tata Martino also, I think, corrected his own mistakes tactically and went more offensive-minded. And then that helped them remind me find their game in the final 30 minutes. Actually, let's listen to that from, from Tata. I know you had something to say there, Simon, but let's listen to that from Tata with regards to advancing, but the overall performance needing to be much, much better. Bueno, empiezo por el final. Eh. Se imaginan que un partido 4-2 hasta el minuto 80 abajo, eh, terminarlo de esta manera... Eh, Obviamente que estamos muy felices con, con el resultado, con el hecho de haber pasado. Eh, esto no nos puede hacer perder de vista todas las cosas que tenemos que mejorar. Eh, afortunadamente lo hemos sostenido también en los triunfos, que ayudan para, para seguir evolucionando, pero que este, estamos lejos todavía de ser un equipo confiable. So for those of you that don't speak Spanish, Simon, you included. I will quickly translate. Uh, I think Simon, you speak a little Spanish, right? <laughs> I got, I got. Actually, yeah, football Spanish is is. I speak, uh, I speak Italian. So, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> he, he was, he was uh, obviously pleased with the result and that they advance in the tournament. But that doesn't, that shouldn't overshadow the fact that there's a lot to take away and think about from that game. 
That's, that's yes, that is the summary of what he said. Very well done, Simon. Very well done. Um, right. He says he's he actually corrects himself because he says, I'm pleased with the result. And he's like, I'm pleased with advancing. Yeah. Um, but you know, that there this shouldn't overshadow the fact that there's a lot of things to correct. And you know, you touched on a few minutes ago, like, oh, we're we're uh we're being critical here despite them advancing, but I think the performance merited that because listen, it, it took a a sensational rally in the final 10 minutes. Uh, it took a horrific own goal from an FC Dallas perspective um, to help get into Miami back to, into the game. And it took a spectacular free kick from Messi, which by the way, have you seen the, the replay from, I don't know if it's a broadcast angle, but it's, I think it's an angle from somebody in the stadium at Toyota stadium and Messi, you know, he has the ball at the spot of the foul where Robert Taylor was fouled. And as the referee is getting the wall organized and he turns his back to Messi, Messi takes the ball and starts moving it a little bit more to the left, a little bit more to the left. I think he takes like five steps with the ball and gets it a little more central before whipping it in. Messi es un vivo, says Kaya. Hey, listen, that South American uh, savviness came into play there 100%. Still needed to hit it in spectacular fashion, in sensational, you know, wonderful fashion that he did. And it's not uh, golf, is it? It's not golf. People can get away with that one a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. five though, five ball, like five. That's that's <laughs> that's a bit much, man. I mean, if the referee would have caught him, I think he tells him, you know, stop that. But uh, he got away with one there. I imagine the referees will have a an eye on him on the free kicks going forward after uh, after seeing that. Well, he's been doing that for years, hasn't he? <laughs> um, they were producing those little video clips like five, six years ago with Barcelona. <laughs> but. Let's let's talk about some individual performances, right? We talked about the defense, but in terms of the midfield attack, we talked about Busquets, Robert Taylor, Joseph Martinez. I mean, who really played well in this game for Inter Miami? Who really had a good game? Messi, absolutely. He's involved in all four goals in some capacity. Who else would you put up there? Apart from Messi and Kramaski, it's 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 pretty difficult uh, to to sort of pick out. The, th the point of that game is, and I should have said this in my overall analysis at the start, really, is they got drawn into an MLS game, right? That two-and-throw, like, end-to-end, -end, lot of transition, lot of possession changes and so on. Um, that's not the way Inter Miami want to play, is it? They want to play like they've been playing at home where they have possession, you know... Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba aren't used to playing in those kind of games. In Barcelona, they would never get involved in those kind of end-to-end -end games, apart from maybe in the Champions League now and then. But uh, which is great for everyone to watch. But I think what they want to do is have a little bit more control over, it. and they lost control of that game. They never had control of that game. Um, it's really hard to think of people who had like you know. I mean, we we criticised the defense. Well, Jordi Alba, that was a pretty good debut, right? I mean, yeah. linked up. Yeah immediate connection with Messi again with that pullback um, for, the, for the opening goal. Um, lively throughout, looked fit enough as well, going deep into the game and everything. So that, that was a big positive. Um, Robert Taylor, again, did lots of things uh, involved. You know, I feel sorry for him with the own goal because he, he absolutely, <laughs> you know, busted got getting back all that way he ran back and then he slides in. If that goes anywhere else, everyone's applauding like that incredible 50-yard sprint to help out his teammates. Hell of a commitment. Um, and listen, Drake Callender should have done better there. Let's let's be honest. Drake Callender should have been much, much better in terms of reacting to that. I mean, yeah, I think Robert so, Taylor yeah. did everything. He could have maybe, he could have cut it off a little bit better. Sure, you could, you could make that, that 
statement or that uh, case. But I mean, Drake Calder, I don't know what. How many players are getting over six? Like, I don't know if you did your marks out of. I did. I did. How many got more than six? How many got more than six? If I have to go back and and look, because I'm going off the top of my head. Messi got a nine and a half. I give Jordi Alba a nine. Um, two assists in his in his first start. And I thought he was, you know, steadily whipping in service and crosses in from that right. left flank. Um, Benjamin Kremaski got an eight and a half. Um, and then from there, maybe Sergio Busquets got a six or a six and a half, maybe. But that's um, about it, isn't it, really? I yeah. Mean, he, he, yeah Goal, I struggled at times, you know. I mean, uh, there, there weren't many standout performances in this one. And that's why I think not just us, but Tata Martino was uh, critical in the post game. You know, he, he said, don't, this shouldn't uh, confuse us. And I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say use, use the word confuse, but he said, this shouldn't um, have us overlooking what we need to correct because the team did not play well, right? They finished the game well, but they didn't play well. Um, and a better team puts them away. A better team, you know, Inter Miami doesn't have the opportunity to come back. I mean, again, that Marco Farfan own goal, I mean, do you have any idea? Do you have any guess as to what you think he was trying to do? Clearly, he's trying to clear the ball, but how? Why? Where? What? Like what caused and him to he do really that? Really headed it. It wasn't like he came <laughs> off was, the head. Like, it was a thunderous header, man. I mean, the only thing I can think is he's like grown up, visualizing heading in a cross from Messi. <laughs> you know, playing for Barcelona and all his dreams and so on, and then. Suddenly that cross comes over and that visualization kicks in. I don't know. It was a weird one. I mean, was he trying to put it over the bar and he just got underneath it? I don't know. Kyle says he headed it like a striker. He did. Um, he did. He did exactly. So yeah. uh let's see. Let's see. There is one player I want to speak about. And you mentioned him earlier and you gave him you weren't that critical on him. And I think that you're off base there, Simon. So I'm gonna allow you to defend yourself or um no, no, make your case. Make your case. And it's this player right here that Endo brings up. Joseph needs a rude awakening, sitting for the next matches and let Campapi get some minutes. I thought Joseph Martinez was a non-factor once again. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, he I just don't think he's looked all that good. Does he flick the ball on with Messi at times? Well, sure. But besides that, I don't see him being much of a threat in the final third for Inter Miami. Even in the last game against Orlando City where he got a goal and an assist, the goal comes off a penalty kick, which, yes, you still have to convert. But, I mean, odds are in your favor. I think it's like an 80 or 75% chance to make the penalty kick. And then he got a heads-up assist when the game was already in Inter-Miami's favor and they were attacking and there was more spaces to exploit. When the games have been tight, I just haven't seen him and I haven't seen him do enough to say he warrants a starting spot. In my player ratings for Miami Total Football, uh, uh, the Substack, which you can find there, um, you know, I gave him a four. I think that might have been even been a little too high. Uh, and I oh, said, "That's harsh, man. That's harsh." What? What do you? I mean, what? Did, what positive thing did Joseph? No, Martinez I mean, a four means game? you've had a stinker. He wasn't. He, uh, you know, he's he, a he forward, Simon. He's a forward. He's a forward. What is a forward supposed to do out there? He's supposed to go help create chances. Did he create any chances? Did he no, take no, any no. Shots? I'm not defending his performance, but I think four is excessively bad. What yeah. would you have given him? Please, what would you have given five. him? Five. A five. Okay. Well, listen, I mean, I just don't see it. I don't, he almost, almost, well, actually, I guess he did, but they, they ruled it off. He almost took back Messi's great opener in the sixth minute, but because he was standing in front of the goal and, you know, people were saying he was offside, which he was, but he didn't interfere with the play. So the goal ended up counting when it was initially ruled 
back for offside. I just don't see him creating much of anything for himself nor for teammates. No, he plays, he plays very either, negative. Really. He plays negative pass after negative pass. Every time he receives the ball, it's with his back to goal, and he just lays it off. Very rarely do you see him making runs in behind. And I think they have to give Campana a look. I think they have to give him a look. You know what? He looked better when he came on, didn't he? He did. I mean, I know that was a crazy stage of the game and everything, but it just it it, it felt a, a better fit. It did. It it did. And I, I you know, I, I was defending our previous discussion about him, which was after the was it after the Atlanta game when we talked about it, I think. And I was saying like he's kind of in that sort of false nine kind of position and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. If if anything, he gets in the way of things sometimes rather than actually stretching people and, and creating. He doesn't stretch things. anyone. He doesn't stretch anyone. No, that, it's not. I, it's not really. Uh, it's not really working at the moment. So yeah, I'd be tempted to give uh, Campana an opportunity, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he will? Though? I mean, there's this sense that like Messi wants so. to play with Martinez and Tata wants to give Messi what Messi wants. I mean, that's the impression. That's kind of what other people have hinted at. You know, is that is that the case? I don't know. I would say I think it's more of a Tata thing than a Messi thing. Right. Uh, and and Jose, Island Jose, Jose Armando, he said something that I thought was interesting when we were talking about Joseph and Campana. And Campana's left-footed, right? And Messi's left-footed. So if Messi is playing those through balls in from the right flank or central channels to Campana, I mean, based on a, just a, on a positional standpoint um, yeah. and in terms of his uh, perfil, as you would say in Spanish, I mean, Campana is not going to be on his stronger foot often, right? Like if, if, you, if Messi's hitting through balls in from the right flank to Campana, I mean, Campana is going to be facing goal this way, and his, you know, he's going to have to hit it with his right foot as opposed to his left foot. Maybe that's something that's being taken into consideration there, um, in terms of Joseph over over Campana. I do think the familiarity between Tata and Joseph plays a big part in it all, um, but I think my personal opinion. Campana deserves a longer look, man. I, I just, I just don't see Joseph bringing a whole lot to. And I've said that from you know the first, I've said yeah, that from yeah, the season, yeah, but I yeah. said that from the first game that he came in with with uh, Messi and Busquets, and you were you were singing his praises. So this this is no, one that I you've been wrong. This is the one you've been wrong about. I think. No, I, I I'll get that. I, I'm, I, I was <laughs> giving him the benefit of the doubt and giving him some time, um, but after these last couple of games. Totally, and, and and after seeing Campana out there for that that spell at the end of the game, yeah, I'd I'd make that switch. I'd make that switch, and and you've always got the option then of saying to Martinez, "You're coming on with 25 minutes to go, and you're going to have to make an impact. You want to play? You want to play in this team? You come off the bench, make an impact, and I might start you again. You know, Cas, you've got that option." Cada says, "This is why Miami will still go for Luis Suarez." Maybe I so. Maybe I agree so. with that. I think Suarez will be on this team. Hell or, hell or high water, I believe Luis Suarez will wear the, the pink and black before his career ends. I, I fully believe that. Unless he gets injured, knock on wood, from here until the end of the year. Uh, By the way, I that point you were saying about you know um, Campana being left-footed, actually that can work to advantage because the, the flip side of what you just described is those balls coming in from Messi at that angle, Martinez is coming across that way. The only way he's going is that way, right? So... Whereas Campana can let the ball come across his body and attack it on that other side as well. 
But if so, you let it come across your body, you like I you have to think that there's going to be a center back or a goalkeeper in front of you. You let it come across your body, you're giving that that player. Well, no, like, in the right moment, obviously. But I, I think in the right in the right moment, he's got that option. Whereas Martinez has got to he's got a narrow angles to work with by being right footed. I would disagree, man. I think he's got better angles. Is like Messi's not necessarily clipping balls over defenders to to feed the strikers. He's playing the through balls in behind. Like think about that one against uh, Cruz Azul that he plays to Joseph Martinez, where Joseph had a one on one chance and instead of shooting it with his right foot. He tries to. Well, he would. That he, he would. He would give him more if Martinez was coming in off the left, but he's not. He's coming from very central positions all the time, isn't he? Because Robert Taylor's the one who's coming in from the left. And Robert Taylor's the one who's getting those balls that I'm just talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah. I mean, that could be, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it works because you, you might end up with Campana actually sort of sniffing for the same balls that Taylor's been getting. So, but, uh, and Robbie Gold, we don't want to take service away from Robbie Gold. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't have a great game this one. You know, he, he missed that finishing, clinical finishing that he had in, in the previous matches. He had one really good look in, in the first half that Messi uh, plays him through on, but just couldn't uh, couldn't put it away. Now, let's let's listen to this from Tata on, on FC Dallas, right? He, he talked about after the game uh, all different aspects of the match and the matchup, but let's hear what he said about FC Dallas in a little more detail. Um... Creo que durante una hora ellos jugaron un muy buen partido, tienen delanteros muy rápidos, muy picantes, Era, son complicados en el juego asociado y también son complicados cuando retroceden y van al espacio. Eh, pero también es cierto que eh, eh, anular a Inter también tiene un, un, un terrible gasto físico y yo creo que ese gasto físico hizo que nosotros la última, la última media hora de partido más allá de que ellos hicieron el cuarto gol, lo, 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 lo hayamos podido controlar mejor y jugar más, más este, cerca de lo que nosotros pretendíamos haber jugado todo el partido. So Tata was saying there that he, he felt that uh, that Dallas were a good team, uh, a very quick team, particularly on the counter attack. Um, but was he then saying that that um that they were struggled a little bit physically and towards the end of the game? He said, marking Inter-Miami and, and trying to just defend Inter-Miami takes a physical toll on you. And I think what he's really referencing there is, you know, or I think what it's most underlined by is Alan Velasco's exit from the game because you see him kind of like limping off um, in, in the, around the 60th minute mark, which again coincides with when Inter-Miami started to take, take the game uh, or take control of the game. Now, Benjamin Kremasi comes in, and we're going to talk about him in good detail here because I'm sure you're ready to gloat. Uh, but, but before that, I have yeah. to ask picantes because I know what picante means in, in terms of, like, food. It's like... Spicy. Yeah, but but how do you, how do you describe... I think, I think he picante? meant... I think, I mean, because pique means, like, a, you know, a quick burst of speed, right? So I, I think sure. what he's getting at is just how, uh, you know, how quick they were, right? Like, they were... They were, they were able to, to get yeah, away yeah. from the defenders on the, on the dribble um, and into space. I like that, though. I like that word, picante, to describe picante. a football team. Like, eh? it's, it's interesting. I mean, that's why we call uh, Andrea Ajisita. It's because she's picante, right? She's spicy. So, um, with yeah, yeah, that's the that, same so. in Italian. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, so let's, let's go with... <laughs> she's very picante. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I gave her Ajisita. I'm still coming up with your nickname, my friend. Don't worry, it's coming. It's coming. Um, so let's let's go to Benjamin Kremaski because he was a player that had a very good game in this one. Um, comes off the bench, literally scores 
seconds after entering. I don't know if it was his first touch. might have been his second or third. But he slams home across from Jordi Alba. And he not only did he give him a goal that was needed to, you know, give them some confidence. Again, although they surrendered a fourth one a few minutes later. But he brought some much-needed energy, in my opinion, to Inter Miami. Because, look, I will insist that I don't think he's the most polished on the ball. Um, I think there's a lot of work for him to go in that regard, which is, listen, no crying. He's a teenager. Uh, I think Diego Gomez is better in that respect at this point in their young careers. I think Diego Gomez, even though he didn't shine in this one, I think he gives you better moments in possession you know, and with the ball. But the Hemikramaski was just what the doctor ordered for Inter Miami in this one. And I think Tata Martino made a heck of a decision to bring him on when he did because he just started running about, getting forward well, uh, defended well. I think his he helped win back a ball that led to the free kick. Simon, this is, this is some detail here for you, brother. And this is, this is where you can give Ben Hemikramaski a lot of props. He hustles and helps win back a ball that leads to a free kick deep in Inter Miami's attacking half late on. That free kick is then played on the ground low to Robert Taylor, who then earns the free kick that Messi put away. So Benjamin Kremaski had a goal, and then he helped play a subtle or not so subtle uh, role in the buildup to the free kick leveler. So uh, a heck of a game, um, you know. He puts the penalty kick convert, away, converts the winning penalty kick. Yeah. So, so this is your moment to, you know, sing his praises and pat yourself on the back because you have been very high on him. Whereas Jose and I have been a little bit more critical and uh, and not uh, as praise worthy or not. No, as I mean, if you go back to what I was saying, Franco, really, I was saying that that um, I thought. That I was seeing a few things that maybe you guys were seeing differently, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe you know, without wanting to sound arrogant, I'd spotted a couple of things that maybe, maybe yeah. you hadn't. Because no, we all see the game differently, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, and that's why I was seeing him as a final third player because I think he has a good sense of space and 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 his timing's pretty good. And and we obviously saw that with with that goal, um, which was great and great from uh, Albert to to spot him and pick him out like that as well. Um, I thought I thought he he gave them some life and some some zest and 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 a little bit. They didn't pick him up as well, you know. He he gl- glided into some positions and Dallas weren't picking him up, so he was getting into spaces that they they that they weren't covering. Um, you know, I really excellent and to keep his cool for the penalty as well. I was I was really pleased for him, and, and I think he is a, that final third player is what I was saying to you. You know, I think he. He is more a player who's going to get in that position as those eight and tens rather than fours and sixes, and you know, in midfield. So, I think that you know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to gloat about this. Like, I mean, you know, you just, you know, hey, you should, brother, because when you're wrong, I'm going to rub it in your face. I'm so. sure you will. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you will. But you know, uh, look again. I think he's an eight, man. I think he's an eight, and I told you I thought he needed to to add that. You know, those late runs into the box, crashing the box, helping to finish things off. And that's what he does on his goal. You know, he he makes a, a smart run to the near post um, while Joseph Martinez drew a lot of attention, making his own run towards the goal. And it gets wide open and smashes the ball into the roof of the net. So a heck of a goal from him. Again, a big confidence boost. And then, of course, to take the, the fifth final and decisive spot kick and to convert it, 
you know, massive kudos to him, a heck of a night for him. I believe after the game in a post-game interview, he said he was nervous going into it. You could see on his face that he looked a little bit nervous going on to the, going on into the penalty kick. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous for him watching it from the, the sofa. I was like, He's not transmitting a whole lot of confidence to me right now with his uh, expressions and his body language, but <laughs> he put it away. He put it away. This is what Tata Martino said, um, not about his overall performance, but about Ben Hanin-Kremasi going fifth on that decisive spot kick. Bueno, primero porque eh, le pregunté y estaba convencido de patearlo. Es más, este, incluso de patear el quinto penal, no tuvo ningún problema. Segundo, porque era uno de los futbolistas que estaba con menos minutos encima. Y además, por lo que porque vimos al, a lo largo de esos 30 minutos que él jugó, que estaba con mucha confianza. Entonces, este, solo arrimarse, preguntarle al jugador, cuando contamos con, con la aprobación de él, era solamente definir qué penal pateaba. ¿Quieres traducir de You've been, you've been here. El traductor, Simon, el traductor. I, th I think, <laughs> I think what, I, what I picked up there towards the uh, the second part of it was him saying that that Kramaski was one of the players to take the kick because he'd had less time on the field than quite a lot of the others, but he'd been on there for long enough that that twenty minutes, half an hour period to get go into the the shootout with confidence, right? So he, he you know, and it, and it paid off. Well, he, he said that, yeah, right. He's had fresher legs, right? So he, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have heavy legs underneath him like some of the other guys did that were playing in that Dallas heat um, for much of the 90 minutes, if not all the 90 minutes. So, I mean, again, heck of a game for him. You know, on this one, I, I'll raise my hand and say I was wrong. And, you know, he, he delivered exactly what Inter-Miami needed in that game. They needed some somebody that could run. They needed someone in that midfield who could battle Um, and give you a little bit more range in that midfield, which they didn't have with Diego Gomez, Busquets, and Dixon Arroyo. Listen, I thought Dixon Arroyo had uh, a subpar game. I know we haven't really touched on him, but he's the he's the midfielder in there tasked with bringing in a little bit more defensive bite and steal. And in this one, he couldn't make the big tackle. He didn't really uh, win his battles often enough for my liking. In other games he has, in this one, he he didn't. So, yeah. um, you know, Benjamin Kibaski was was – Vital, do you think he starts on Friday night? Do you think he's mm -hmm. earned his place back in the starting line? Because that was one of the biggest surprises, right, was that Diego Gomez in the first road game for Inter Miami in this new era, they got uh, – well, they sat Benjamin Kremaski and they started Diego Gomez. So do you think Benjamin Kremaski has regained his spot in the lineup or do you think because they'll be at home looking to be more possession-based that they'll go back to Diego Gomez? It's a tough one. I Instinctively, I'd say they'd stick with Gomez, yeah, um, and maybe look to use Kromeski again off the bench like that. Um, I, I mean, he's a new arrival. Way. He's a new arrival, Gomez, isn't he? He needs time to to get himself into the team and stuff. I mean, I think the 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 problem with that midfield more than more than those two really is. You need somebody. I'm not sure Arroyo is that kind of player who you need somebody who can like really cover a lot of ground in that midfield because Busquets can't, right? He's never. I mean, he's right. never been a good runner or anything, and he, and he certainly is at this stage of his career. Well, you know, if you think of someone like Declan Rice, right, who Arsenal have just signed, who can who plays right across the midfield from left to right, sweeps things up in front of the defense. 
they could really do with someone like I don't think Arroyo is mobile enough to do that. He's 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 fine when he's it's in his zone and he's having to deal with a one on one or something, but he's not that player who's going to read the game and be across there and all. And they don't seem to have a player like that. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think Gomez is obviously going to be that player either. Um, but yeah, it's, that's probably something they would probably look at in 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 the winter. I would think to try and find that person who can sort of protect the back line a little bit more by being able to sweep things up. Yeah. Well, Gregory's looming. His or his return is looming. So maybe. Well, he's that he'll, kind he'll of player, there. isn't he? A bit. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> um, Got a guy with a good comment here. I, I love the humor that our viewers have because, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's definitely makes for an entertaining show. Um, it's true though; there is ninety eight million pounds difference there. Yeah, so fair enough. It's a really good question, man. I think it's a really, I'm curious to see what the what the viewers think. You know, let us know here in the comment section, and I'll uh, I'll of course. Pop them up here, but who starts in that midfield? Is it Kremaski or is it Gomez? Like I can see it going either way. Kremaski, obviously, you know, he made a case for more minutes with the performance he had. Um, but if you're going to be at home and you think you're going to be a possession-based team, I mean, again, I think Diego Gomez gives you more with the ball. Um, but again, defensively, you you know, you know, in transition moments, you've seen how how weak the team can be um, if Kremaski's not in there. If you put a gun to my head. I say Kremaski. I say Kremaski starts um, just because they need a little more muscle there. Andrew Rogers with Benji. Uh, Endo says Kremaski. Kada says Kremaski. Broward, Heron, Kremaski needs to start. Gomez proves he's not up to starting yet. Um, which is fair. Which is fair. Um, I could, uh, I, But I could see it going either way because if the game plan is to, to be possession-based, then I think that, that Gomez gives you a little more. But given the weaknesses that we saw defensively, I think – I, I think that will start. Uh, Simon, very quickly before we wrap up this FC Dallas game, uh, let's just talk about the fact that it was the first away game and there was a whole lot of hoopla, not only at the stadium, in terms of people trying to get a, a closer look at, at Messi, but in the hotel. You know, there were fans in the lobby. There were fans waiting outside where the bus arrived to try to catch a glimpse of him, take a selfie. I mean, there was very tight security from... Inter Miami and MLS um, to try to keep the players as safe as possible, but this one this one was a bit of a different experience. This is what uh, Drake Calendar will have an English quote here, an English soundbite, an English clip um, from Drake Calendar talking about the overall experience of what it was like to play on the road with such a, a different feel with the away fans and being in and around the hotel, around the bus, and everything that went into all of it. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to adapt to that. You know, I think it being our first road game was a little bit new, just with the whole hotel stuff and everything. But again, we came here to play a game. And I think that was focused from from when we when we left uh, Florida to here was we're coming here to play a game, we're coming here to compete, and there's only so much you can control. If there's going to be people at the hotel, there's going to be, you know, all these little other distractions, and, you know, something that we have to adapt to. And uh, as long as we can get to, I guess, show up to the game the best way we possibly can. 
Simon, is this what it's going to be like for Inter Miami in every road game? Is it going to be a, a circus to borrow Oscar Pareja's term from uh, the other day? <laughs> uh, Broward Heron says, Simon, do you mind translating? Yeah, it probably is, isn't it? I mean, maybe not everywhere. Some parts of the U.S. are a little bit more reserved than than others, but I think uh, I think anywhere where you go and there's a significant um, Spanish-speaking population, you're going to have like excitement around Messi and people going out to the hotel and trying to get pictures and so on. I think they're just going to have to learn to live with that. Now, the game itself, like there was moments. Yeah, we heard the FC Dallas chance, but there were moments when we heard Messi chance, which was, I think, is expected. And I think it's going to be like that for most of these away games. I mean, people are going and paying large sums of money, yes, to watch the game, but largely to go see Messi up close. And a lot of the people aren't fans, uh, or I imagine won't be fans of the local MLS team that's playing in the market. A lot of these people will just be soccer football fans, hinchas de Messi. They're there to cheer him on and root for him and try to catch a glimpse on their cell phones of some moment of magic like we saw with that free kick. So, I mean, Inter Miami will be playing away, but they can also be playing with a home field type of atmosphere if the game goes in their favor, right? When, when he scored in the sixth minute, I mean, you saw plenty of people in the crowd <sighs> cheering and celebrating. And the pink um, shirts, and they weren't people, you got the feeling that they weren't people who traveled solo from Miami and paid... 500 bucks to stand on their own in the Dallas sections. Actually, that just random thought that comes into my head, though, seeing all the coverage internationally, uh, what a smart move this pink was. No? I mean, oh, it's like amazing. Round the world now, round the world now, anyone sees a pink shirt with a little bit of black on it and it's into Miami. And that was probably the only color scheme you could go for where there wouldn't be any. I mean, there's Palermo in Italy, but I don't know what division they're in. These Sport days. Boys in Peru. Sport Boys in Peru. Right, okay. But <laughs> it, it's it's you see a pink shirt now, even if they change something on it in, in the future, pink shirts, they've got that on the global stage, they've got that color, which is really hard to do. I mean, if you went with red or blue, you've no chance, you know. Kyle says, Messi even said on Instagram, Dallas, gracias por el cariño, which means... Dallas, thank you for the the warm welcome, or thank you for the warmth and hospitality. Um, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong, Simon. Um, I'm waiting to get my messy pink jersey just to hang it up here. Um, you know, they don't have it in any size that's below extra large, which I think would make for an uneven background for myself here. Um, so it's gonna probably be till October. So this this one here, I keep doing. I gotta get used to this. Um, this one here will will be there probably until until October. Um, there's there's some interesting comments here. Endo says y'all peeped that they played a Miami song after we beat their team. Uh, Broward Heron says it was also surreal seeing FC Dallas fans cheer for us too. LOL. Um, so to discuss Endo's comments, bring it back up here. Uh, apparently, because it's Leagues Cup, it's mandated that home teams play the away team song after a goal, which is why after the penalty kick shootout, you heard. Uh, the infamous song that's played, or the famous song, not infamous, the famous song that's played at Drive Pink Stadium. Um, Miami me la confirmo. Uh, so there we go. Um, let's let's quickly just do a quick preview. We're, we're, we're wrapping up this show for the week, but let's quickly do a preview of Friday, Simon. 
they play against Charlotte FC, who beat the Houston Dynamo on the road on Monday night. And, I mean, if we're being honest, Charlotte FC won this one thanks to some good fortune. I mean, they turned it around pretty quickly. Some very poor goalkeeping on one play uh, minutes later. And... <laughs> <laughs> absurd, even more absurd than that header. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, no, the header is the worst of the two own goals. The other one's a bad back pass, and the goalkeeper probably should have just, you know, dove with his hands and did, taken the did red. Did you notice on the highlights clip? And I'm not somebody who's into like MLS conspiracy theories and stuff. Did you notice on the highlight clip, like they barely squeezed it in? There was no replay of it. They just like clipped it in there on the MLS. Oh, I, I, I didn't watch the highlight reel of. You know MLS's package. You, you I, could I watched it on, not notice that lesson. goal. It was like you know, and he's, you know, no celebrations, no replay of it. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was a ridiculous goal. Yeah, uh, the viewers are too much, man. I swear, you guys really like. I really enjoy doing this more than the audio podcast. Oh, it's so we, get much to, we get to interact, and you guys literally um, yeah. make me laugh. It's hard. It's hard to like stay focused and serious sometimes because you guys are just. Uh, Killing it in the comments section, but I agree with Broward Heron. Charlotte won by sheer luck, man. I mean, sure, yes, they did. You know, they deserve some merit, some credit for you know being in the game and away from home, being able to find a way to come out on top. But I mean, well, you know what? The one thing that concerns should concern into Miami about Charlotte is um, they've not got a lot up front uh, overall. Because uh, they've got Capetti out at the moment with a with an injury, I think he's got like a thigh strain. Yeah, and uh, my friend, a football fan, but not MLS, is getting my C Miami pink jersey. That's back to your earlier point. Back to your earlier point. Ah, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's late uh, for Simon. It's late for if you've been paying attention. Simon's yawned a couple of times. He he. Come I was on, trying, it's been, I've had a long day today. People, uh, people, people in the comment section are telling me to call you Theo, which is like a, a like a, a endearing nickname for someone that's older. It's like you know you call him Uncle. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've tried to avoid using that uh, on you because it's, like, it's, it's be, a bit no, cliche. I don't want to be in languages. I don't want to be Uncle Simon. No, no, no. <laughs> no. We'll call you Uncle Sam then. No. Uh, no, I, no, I, no. I, I promise this. I'll do this. By the next week's show, I'm giving you a nickname. It's going to be natural, but we, we, I'm going to have Is, it, is it the hat that's brought the T.O. thing on? Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, do I look yeah. less T.O. with my shoulders and head in? Is that more or less T.O.? No, you're definitely more T.O. with the hat <laughs> off, brother. You're definitely more T.O. Oh, with the yeah, hat back go, on. I'm going to go full bro. There we go. And Sobrino, Sobrino, the nephew. Um, um, that's hilarious. So, yeah, Charlotte don't have a, a great, you know, with Enzo Capetti out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with El Gringo. I got called El Gringo at the Stadio Azteca, you know. When I was there, that game that Charlie Davis scored at, USA, Mexico, World Cup qualified. Were you at that one? I was, 2009. Yeah. And you have to walk all the way down. I'm going off on a massive tangent here, but you have to go all the way down from like the top deck of the Azteca where the press press boxes going to stretch they put like a wooden plank out for us to put our laptops on we go all the way down and you've got twenty five thousand people coming in the other direction while you go down to the press conference and they weren't happy and like i was like so obviously like not a mexican journalist mm -hmm. um and so i got some chance of gringo and some some gringo uh comments said to, and i was like 
not even American. Like you can't tell me good. But you know, yeah. I feel like it means it means mostly American, but I mean it stands for like a Caucasian person at this point. Like it, you know, it could be if you're fair skinned you know, people will call you Bingo. Just uh, par for the course. Yeah. Par for the course. Um, but let's just going go, back go, to Charlotte. back to the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Charlotte. Does, Charlotte, does Charlotte have any chance? Does Charlotte yeah, have any do. chance? They do because the one thing that Charlotte I've seen I've seen them score um, a number of times. They're pretty good on the counter. Long balls over the top. And what did we see Dallas, uh, you know, expose Miami with a few times? It was that. Um, I'm really looking forward to, like, for my own selfish reasons, to watching two former Burnley favourites lining up for Charlotte against Messi and Busquets. Seriously, I, 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 you can't not let me say this, Franco. Yeah, you, you drop a Burnley line in there every show. It's like it's like yeah, a you Nea drop a Peruvian with... national team line. No, that's not true. You've had no two way. Peru references this week. <laughs> I do it for but, the people, man. I do it for the people. There, there was a Peruvian viewer. I don't know if he's still around now, but he was, he was in here earlier, and he was, he, you know, he was making comments about the Cueva yeah, reference. Well, I, I know that a number of our, our listeners are like secret Burnley fans, growing on them. They can't wait for the man. There you go. You see Carter Friday night against Manchester City live on Peacock. Anyway. Um, without Copetti, they're going to have to go. I think Swiglowski plays on his own up front. But those two Burnley players are actually pretty effective. So actually, Westwood plays in a in a deep midfield position, but he can really launch long balls forward. He did plenty of that at Burnley with the way that they played in the, that time. And Scott Arfield will get up there in support of them. So they they can be dangerous on the counter attack, but they shouldn't they shouldn't have a chance against Inter Miami. They shouldn't. They should. Wait, wait, wait. So I asked you if they have a chance, and you said yes. Now you're saying they shouldn't. So which is it? They have a chance. No, I, or they I mean, Inter Miami have got much better players overall, I think, than Charlotte. But they've got a really good spirit. I've seen quite a bit of them because, yeah, it's, it's a bit sad watching two ex Burnley players. But I like to see how they're doing and everything. And uh, and they've got a good fighting spirit, and they can play direct football. Uh, Swidowski can 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 be dangerous up front. If they had Copetti fit, they could be. It could be really interesting. But I think I think this one should be advanced to semifinals for Miami. Should so be. I, so I talked to somebody today that's close to Charlotte. I won't say who. That person told me that they think that Charlotte will win the possession battle on Friday, which I thought mm. was blasphemous. I was like, "What? No!" I, against Busquets. Against Messi, against Alba, and the like, I was like, I don't see that. And you know, they said that Charlotte FC likes to crowd the midfield and have numbers in there, and that they saw Charlotte FC winning the possession battle, but not being lethal enough, lethal enough up front to to make the difference. Look for me, Inter Miami are clear favorites, and I don't see Inter Miami having another rough performance like they had against FC Dallas. I just don't see them having. Two back-to-back poor overall showings or disjointed displays. I think that they'll go back to the Inter Miami we've seen largely when they're at home, and that they'll play well, and that they will come out on top and move on to the semifinals. Which means that they'll be playing, regardless of if they win the semifinals or not, they'll be playing for a spot uh, in in the Concacaf Champions Cup. So wow. that's yeah. uh, that's fantastic. You know, they have to just avoid the upset. If they can play to who they are at home with the crowd backing them, then I think it's a win. I think it's a win. So we'll uh, we'll see how they do. I know tickets. There's that's been a talking point again because of how they were announced and how few people 
um, or how many people were not able to get tickets, especially season ticket holders. So um, yet again, that, that talking point has come up, but I'm still expecting a, a largely full house on Friday when Inter Miami takes on Charlotte. Simon, anything else you want to add? I think I think we've got to close out with Messi, man. I think we have to close out. I mean, he's scoring goals at an incredible rate. Um, I think he's tied. I forget what, what where he stands in terms of. Fourth. He's he's high up there in the Inter Miami all time scoring. Fourth, joint fourth. Uh. Joint fourth. Um, he leads uh, the league's cup. I mean, in this game, seven again, in three and a half. Right. Yeah, and in this game he had he was involved in all four goals. He scores the first one, uh, the second one he he plays the what's the second one? I'm blanking now. So much so much soccer, so much football. What was the second goal? The Hamikramaskis? Yeah. Right? Yes, he plays, yeah, he plays the through ball into in behind the Jordi Alba, who then crosses it to, to Ben Hamikramaski. The third one he hits the free kick that uh, Marco Farfan um commits a, a yeah. blunder on and then he scores the free kick. I mean, he had a hand in every single goal. Um, yeah. You know, Tata, Tata said this, let's, let's close out the show with this. Tata said this about Messi um, that, you know, having him on the team is obviously a huge plus, but that the team has to play better with him to even take more advantage of having him on the field. I think that's right. What would this team without the presence of Messi? Y bueno, eh, pero estas, estas cosas sí, o estas preguntas siempre suelen pasar este, en los lugares donde él esté. Que, que, o sea, alguien podría apostar lo que hubiese sido de Barcelona sin Messi, lo que hubiese sido de la selección argentina sin Messi, o en cada uno de los lugares donde él le ha tocado estar. Eh, afortunadamente nosotros lo tenemos y hoy volvió a ser este, un, un jugador tremendamente determinante en el partido. Y es cierto, este, la mayoría de las veces hay, hay un tiro libre en ese sector y, y, y creo que solo con él pasa que uno tiene la sensación de que va a ser gol. Es decir, un tiro libre normalmente no es algo que a vos te parezca que va a ser en el 90% de las opciones gol y cuando lo tiene él es al revés. Vos crees que el 10% no va a ser gol, el resto sí. Bueno, y entonces nosotros tenemos que tratar de, de aprovecharlo, jugando mejor, sí, jugando mejor y obviamente este, no, no, no dando tantas concesiones. Como dije al principio, nosotros defendimos mal cuando retrocedimos y defendimos mal cuando atacamos. So I won't ask you to translate all that, Simon, but essentially he waxed poetry, you know, he talked about how on a free kick, uh, 90% of the chances that it will go in and 10% chance is that it will. And then with Messi, it's like the opposite, right? Where it's like 90% of the chances that it goes in and 10% is that it won't. But the point was that they have to play better. To and what would, what would this team be like without Messi? Well, you could ask Barcelona about that or Argentine national team as well. And that's a fair point, actually, isn't it? It was, it was a great response to a, a, <laughs> a tricky question. It was a, it was a good response. It was a good, it was a very good response. I mean, but I, I think other players have to step up as well. I don't think you can just rely on Messi magic every single game. And I think Friday will be one where other players, whether it's Joseph, whether it's Campana, um, you know, they have to do their part as well. I mean, Robert Taylor may be getting back to, to the Robert Taylor that we saw uh, before this game against FC Dallas. I mean, other players have to do their part. I don't think, again, you can just keep relying on Messi to overshadow uh, a disjointed collective showing because it, it's not going to be enough at some point. 
right? At some point, it won't be enough. I, again, I don't think Charlotte FC is going to put up enough of a fight. I don't think they have enough there. But uh, anything you want to add with regards to the game or anything at all? No, no, I think we covered a lot of ground there, Franco. I think I, I do agree, you know, on, on, on exactly what you just said then. But I also think that um, he's basically answered all the skeptics or cynics who, who came out and said that, you know, oh, Messi's coming just to chill and, like, it's, he's not going to take it serious. He's taking every game really, really seriously. Um, you know, if you just told people that, like, he would be running around until the final minute or uh, putting 100% effort in in a League's Cup match against FC Dallas on a Sunday night, uh, people might have been skeptical of that, um, but he's he's delivered. He's delivered, and he, he wants to keep on delivering. He wants to, he he wants to win something with Inter Miami, doesn't he? You could, you get that feeling. He he wants this to be like not just an experience for him, but a, a success for him. I, yeah, he looks very very much still competitive and engaged. Like when they gave up the equalizing goal, he looked very frustrated by the fact that they gave up. Yeah, that, that equalizing goal, right? He's, he seems very, very in tune to it all. He seems very much uh, he's living the know, game, hungry to win. He seems very hungry to win. You've touched on how happy he looks, and I agree with that. But he still looks hungry to win. Um, yeah, which I, which I think is one of the reasons. He's, why all these emotions so have been have been like genuine, real football emotions. He was happy at the start. He scores his goal. He gets a good welcome. He's enjoying his time with his new team. Then he gets frustrated and angry against Orlando. And then he has like the roller coaster against Dallas of like, you know, great start, happy to make that start, and then frustrated again, and then delight at the end. He's living these these emotions. And yeah, he's playing in front of twenty five thousand and not ninety thousand people. Um, but he knows everybody's watching him as well. He's got standards as that guy. You know, he knows <laughs> No, he has because He's not slip he's not he's not easing off. He could he could stroll through some of these games. He really could, and he's not doing. Last thing, last thing came from Dolphin Nation. Dolphin Nation from earlier, much earlier in the show. And he says, sometime before this recap ends, ask Simon England's chances versus Columbia this Saturday in the Women's World Cup. Simon, you feeling good about the Lionesses? Not yet. No, they've been a little bit <laughs> like the they've they've been a little bit like the Americans, haven't they? You know, they've not really got going yet. Uh, you know, a little bit uh scraping by Nigeria and um but they're due a good one. They're due a good one. So the Columbia one's going to be interesting because Columbia have one or two. Uh, what's the girl called? Caicedo, is it? Yeah. 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 She's she looks a great player. So, and I don't think England have that kind of player. They they're a good team, but they don't have those that individual flair as much. So, interesting one. Interesting one. It would be a shock though, I think, if England went out as European champions now at this stage. Latin America's behind Colombia, largely, largely. So, uh, sure. Ed Batra, what's the deal with the ticket situation? Are we selling out games or are people just trying to resell a profit? It looks like there's a good bit of both. Like, there's definitely a lot of people trying to resell and make a profit. Mi calcita, mi perucho, Ed Batra. Um, all right, I think that does it. Unless you want to give a prediction. That's it. We'll wrap up the show with that. Uh, a prediction. That was a Friday. third. You, you, you thought I wasn't going to yeah. knock that down. That was a third Peruvian reference there. <laughs> Complete well, Ed, with a salute. Ed, Ed, Ed was the one as the person I was referencing earlier when I said he was, you know, he was leaving comments in the comment section. I, and I wasn't able to, to find one and, and click it at the time. So I had to do it here now that he commented towards the end of the show. Uh, prediction for Friday, Simon. 
Prediction for Friday, I'm gonna go with three one to into Miami. Three one. Okay, you yeah. stole Kyle's prediction there in the comment section. I will say four to one. I think Inter Miami wins this one big and, and heads into the semifinals. Uh two two for Messi. Two or three for Messi. I mean, is it time for a Messi hat trick? I mean, he's on the cusp, right? Um one for Messi. Just one. Just one. Um got up. Yes, Scott, I had hit the nail on the head. Please comment, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, it helps us out tremendously. So uh, we will leave it there. We'll be back next week, probably maybe even on the weekend, depending on uh, how Don't the weekend plays out. Uh, maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe. I could maybe get Simon or I mean, Jose or Andrea on. Um, everyone's saying hat trick, Messi, Messi hat trick. People are feeling it. I mean, he is. He's due for one. He is due for one. He's close. He's been getting close. Um, but all right, we'll be back. Some point after Friday's game, if you're heading out to the stadium, enjoy it. Um, we have been enjoying this, so we will continue to do it. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Bye for now. Bye.